Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Today's title is Saving Faith, Blind Bartimaeus Part 2. We're going to look at Mark 10, 51-52, the end of the passage we started last week. Now, I gave an assignment, a homework assignment, why did Mark specifically name Bartimaeus? Why did, the other gospel writers didn't give his name. He's the only one. Why did he use the name Bartimaeus here? And I had some good tries. Several people took a swing at it, but, but no stars given out this week. This, this, but that's okay. This is a tough one. You really had to dig for this one. But wait till we connect the dots. We're going to have some fun with this one for sure. Last week we saw Blind Bartimaeus Part 1, Persistent Faith. Today we're Part 2, Saving Faith. In case you missed part one, get the CD or go on the podcast, YouTube site, and, and listen to part one because they flow together. You have to hear part one to really get all, of, all out of this part two here. But Blind Bartimaeus, Blind Bart, we did the Western theme, hears Jesus passing by, and he shouts out to him. And everybody tries to shut him up, but he's persistent. And we talked about that persistent faith. Don't let anybody keep you from coming to Jesus Christ. If you're searching spiritually and you haven't put your faith in Christ yet, don't let anyone stop you. Don't let anyone slow you down. Don't let any person or anything keep you from coming to Jesus Christ, just like Bartimaeus. And after we become a Christian, there's still that persistence is necessary. We talked about how we need to come to the throne of grace every day for mercy and grace. Don't let anybody or any accusations from the enemy stop you. We also saw how Jesus called when he when he calls Bartimaeus it's really the same way how he calls each one of us we talked about the call of Christ and how we we have that call at some point we know the Holy Spirit is working in our heart and pulling us to the cross and to Jesus Christ and we talked about that call and we talked about how when Bartimaeus received his call he threw off his coat his cloak and it's a picture of us all throwing all off our old way of life which is a great thing to talk about on communion Sunday here now we come to the climax of the story. Persistent faith results in saving faith. Let's pray. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit will work in our hearts right now. Wherever we are spiritually, whatever we're battling with, whatever we're going through, we pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us through your word now. And each one of us would know saving faith and would live out that faith in persistence. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let me read the passage, the whole passage again, starting with verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. So let's start with, we're Pick it up at verse 51. We did the other verses last week. Verse 51. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. What do you want me to do for you? Where have we heard this question from Jesus before? Does that sound familiar? 
How about backing up one passage, one story, right? Just what happened just before this. Mark 10, 35 to 37, James and John's request. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. There it is, the same exact sentence. Question, what do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Well, hmm, <laughs> let's connect some dots here because it's no accident that right after these dodos fight over the position, Jesus just gets done predicting his crucifixion the third time and, the, and James and John start a, a fight over who's going to be number one after he dies, just like the Godfather movie, right? And right after that, they run into a blind man at the gates of Jericho, and Jesus asked the blind man the same exact question. This is no coincidence. The disciples were also blind. They had blind ambition. They wanted the top spots, but they couldn't see what was, what was connected with those top spots. The cross is connected with the top spot. So the sovereign God somehow just manages to have a blind guy with a big mouth sitting in their path. Just a coincidence, right? Uh, just, just somehow this happened. But God, obviously, in his sovereignty, perfect timing. And this guy's name is Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. Now, the interesting thing is that Bartimaeus means son of Timaeus. So why the repetition? Why would they say it? Why would Mark record it twice? That's like saying son of Timothy, son of Timothy. It's crazy. It's crazy to repeat it, unless you're dealing with dodos and you're trying to get something through their thick skulls, <laughs> just like us, which is exactly what the Holy Spirit is trying to do through Mark here. He's trying to make a very important point, and we have to pay attention. Whenever something like this happens, we know the Holy Spirit is working. It's no accident. Mark isn't just scribbling down names. The Holy Spirit is working through Scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this. It says in 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is God-breathed. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture is God-breathed. What Mark is writing is coming right from the Holy Spirit. It's, it's the Holy Spirit is moving through him to write the word of God here. Second Peter 1, 20 and 21 also says the same thing. It says, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And that is what is happening right here with Mark. Mark is being carried along by the Holy Spirit to record this, and there's a specific reason. It's no accident that this event happened right here after James and John's crazy request, or that Mark wrote these words of Scripture, and that he wrote the word, the name Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. Bartimaeus means Son of honor. And so he records it twice. Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, son of honor. Son of honor. Why twice? Because what were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, seeking? Honor. They were seeking honor. They were spiritually blind. Blinded by ambition. They were oblivious. But blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus... Blind Bartimaeus, the son of honor, was blind and knew it. And God uses him to teach them a lesson. And us, a very important, vital, spiritual lesson. Verse 51. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. 
What do you want me to do for you? I want to see blind, Bart's blindness is a picture of all of us before salvation. We are all blind before we come to Jesus Christ, before we put our faith in Jesus Christ. We are all blind without Jesus Christ. Do you need proof? The news this week. What's been all over the news? Cecil the Lion. Somebody shot Cecil the Lion. And, and, and listen, I, I'm sorry they shot him, and I wish they hadn't, and I like lions, and, and it's dumb that they shot this poor lion. But at the same time that this event was happening, these videos come out about how Planned Parenthood are selling baby body parts, the aborted babies, the babies that they're killing. They're actually harvesting their body parts. This is something out of a horror film, this science fiction. That even the Nazis didn't pull this off. And, and this is what they're doing. They're selling the body parts. This came out, but what is being reported? Most of the major networks won't even report these videos that are coming out because they're too busy talking about Cecil the Lion that was shot. I mean, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? It's sad that a lion is shot, but what's the true horror and tragedy and what should really be ours on the news is, is not just killing the babies, that's bad enough, but then selling their body parts. It's unbelievable. But that's the spiritual blindness out there. Even the White House came on the news saying, it's not true, it didn't really happen. They denied it, which is, it's just unbelievable deception and lies. But that's the picture, what we're seeing from the White House all the way down to Planned Parenthood, you're seeing people without Jesus Christ. Spiritual blindness. Without Jesus Christ, we are spiritually blind. That's a picture of each one of us before we put our faith in Jesus Christ. We're completely blind before we put our faith in him. But also, this blindness... This having trouble seeing is something we struggle with our whole life. Even after we receive the Holy Spirit, we can still get very bad eyesight. We can still start to get blinded. We can get spiritual cataracts. How? By focusing on our own desires. That blinds us. If we focus on self, just like the apostles were, focusing on self, we can't see past our own noses. Our life gets out of focus. A Christian's goal must be God's honor, not our own. Let's go to 50, verse 52. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Go, your faith has healed you. The word Mark uses for healed is a Greek word, which is sozo. Sozo, it literally means to save. That's where we get the word salvation from. The word salvation, we get, get that from this very word. So Jesus literally says, your faith has saved you. Not just healed you physically, but saved you. Once again, there's no accident. The man's eyes were healed, and his faith also saved him spiritually. The healing of the blind man is a picture of our salvation, our spiritual healing. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, we are saved. We become children of God. The Holy Spirit comes within us and our eyes are open. They're healed. We're spiritually healed. And then not only is he saved and healed, but look what it says. He followed Jesus. Very important sentence here. He followed Jesus. Where is Jesus going? To Jerusalem. To the cross. He has 18 miles to go. He's on his final lap, the final landing, the final approach. 18 miles to go to the cross. And when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we're not just saved to go to heaven, but we're also 
called to follow Jesus. Jesus, we've talked about this many times through the book of Mark, discipleship. Discipleship means to follow Jesus, and it involves the cross. Following Christ to the cross, we must all carry our cross. And communion this morning is a great reminder of that, that what Jesus did on the cross for us, he gave his body and blood, and that we must die daily, die to self, die to sin, so that we can stay in close communion with Jesus Christ. If we do this, there's going to be a result. It will result in a growing faith. This story is all about faith, saving faith and persistent faith. In fact, I, we start with that saving faith, and then if we persist in that faith, the result will be a growing faith. Saving faith plus persistent faith equals growing faith. And I know we had to persist in faith just to get to the saving faith, but even after that saving faith, the persistent faith is an ongoing thing. Saving faith plus persistent faith equals growing faith. That's what 2 Peter 1, 5-9 is talking about. I just thought this was a great little ending as we get ready for communion here. Where he says in 2 Peter 1, verses 5-9, to 9, it says this, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our lord jesus christ but if anyone does not have them he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins we are saved and we get spiritual sight at salvation. But we can, look what it says here, we can become nearsighted and blind, even as Christians, if we don't keep growing. That's what he's talking about, growing, increasing measure. There's no such thing as a static Christian. We're either growing or dying. There's no such thing as vacation from the faith. There's no such thing as spiritual retirement. We either grow or we die spiritually. Either move forward or we backslide spiritually. That's why in verses 5 to 7 it says, For this very reason, make every effort to add. To add what again? To add to your faith goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And their brotherly kindness, love. For if we possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Each of those things we have to add to them. Each, each step. Putting our faith in Christ is just the first step. Then comes the perseverance and the growth. What step are we stuck on this morning? Look at that list. What step? These are all steps in our growing faith. And we have to keep on thinking. We don't just run the steps, the stairs once and, oh, I'm done all working out. No, no. Run the stairs again. Run the stairs again. We want to keep doing them better and better and faster and faster and grow more and more. But what step are we stuck on? Or is anything in that list missing from our life? This is really a recipe list. You take this recipe and you would use this to bake the Christian life. Just like when you're baking a, a cake. If you're baking a cake and you leave something out of that recipe list, as soon as you bite into it, you're like, oh, what's missing? Something's not right. Oh, no sugar. <laughs> that would be a tragedy. Or no salt, even. Or whatever it is. Whatever's missing is what, what keeps it from being a complete 
cake or whatever you're making, whatever it is. And this is a recipe for the Christian life. If anything here is missing, we are not living the Christian life, the, 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 the awesome Christian life that God has called us to live. And I would encourage you to memorize this list and prayerfully make an effort to add each in increasing measure, each of them. Is something missing? Is something blocking our eyesight? Something block causing us to be nearsighted or blind off of this list. Maybe something's blocking. Maybe it's self. We're too self-focused. We're so busy looking in the mirror that we can't see what God wants us to see. Or maybe we have floaters. Anybody here have floaters? <laughs> Aren't they irritating? You're, I can see some right now. The floaters floating around. But we have spiritual floaters too. We have things that distract us. Temptations and sin. And even good things that are floating by that distract us. That keep us from growing the way that, that Peter talks about growing here. Or we are nearsighted. We're nearsighted. We need spiritual glasses. What are our spiritual glasses? When we look through the Word of God, we look at the Bible, we hold it up in front of us, and that's what, how we see life, and that's our worldview, and that's how we face what we're facing through the Word of God. That's how we deal with our spiritual nearsightedness. And we need regular checkups. If we aren't going to go spiritually blind, we need those regular spiritual checkups. We need to see Dr. Jesus, let the Holy Spirit really work in our heart and in our, our minds and, and work on our eyesight, our spiritual eyesight. Doctors find things that we can't see. I know I go to the eye doctor all the time. I have all kinds of eye problems. And and they have to check the pressure in my eye. I have this pigmentary glaucoma thing. And they have to put drops in my eyes, first of all. And then they put a pressure checker, this lens, right onto my eyeball. I don't feel it because of they've already numbed my eyes. But they put it right on the eye so they can look in. And then they take this bright light and they shine it right in deep. And that allows the doctor to look past the surface. To look deep inside, and oh, my eyes start to tear, and all this, uh, they can't do anything about the, the bright light. And and but but they have to do this. They have to take that pain and the inconvenience to to see if there's any weaknesses deep inside, any dangers that are going to cause spiritual blindness. And that's what the Holy Spirit does as we look through the Word of God, and as we pray, and as we meditate. And that's what communion is all about. That's what communion is really about self-reflection because we take the bread in the cup the bread is a reminder of the body of christ and the cup the blood of christ what he did for us what he gave for us how he saved us on the cross how he healed our spiritual blinder and it's also a reminder of what we must do stay close to jesus keep our eyes open and on him and as we come to this communion and this is how we take it we we have a table up front and you walk up and you can take the the, the bread and the cup back to your seat. You could take it with, with a friend or your family or all by yourself, however the Holy Spirit leads. This is between you and Christ. I hope everybody does take this, but if you have not put your faith in Christ, don't take it. This is really for those who put their faith in Christ. If you're not ready for that yet, that's okay. Just, we take it every month, wait for the next time around. Or if there's a sin in our life, the Bible says don't take the cup in an unworthy manner. If there's a sin in our life that we're not willing to confess this morning and to give up. Notice I didn't say sin in our life because nobody can take it. But if there's a sin in our life that we're not willing to surrender this morning, that we say you can have everything but this one. This one's locked in my spiritual safe. If that's the case, don't take it. Wait until you're ready to really confess and surrender. But I hope everybody here takes communion because it's bigger than just communion it's being able to commune with jesus on a regular basis communion is just a reminder that that we can have this this closeness this connection every day 
I hope everybody here will put their faith in Christ if you haven't and would confess and surrender whatever needs to be surrendered. We're just going to go to prayer in a moment and, and have some worship music, music playing and I encourage you to take it as you feel led. But I just want to close with a poem. I rarely try poems because I'm not very good at them, but I love poems. And this is one of my, one of my favorites when it comes to Bible poems. I've saved it for a long time by Longfellow. It's called Blind Bartimaeus, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. And listen to what he says about this. He said this poem was written in November 3rd, 1841. He said, I was reading this morning, just after breakfast, the 10th chapter of Mark in Greek. <laughs> Can you? This is what it used to be like. We think we're so smart today. No, a lot of these guys used to be able to read in the Greek. He was reading in the book of Mark in Greek, the last seven verses of which contained the story of Blind Bartimaeus. And he says, and always seemed to me remarkable for their beauty. At once the whole scene presented itself to my mind in lively colors. The walls of Jericho, the cold wind through the gateway, the ragged blind beggar, his shrill cry, the tumultuous crowd, the serene Christ, the miracle. These things took the form I have given them above. Blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus at the gates of Jericho in darkness waits. He hears the crowd, he hears a breath, say, It is Christ of Nazareth, and calls in tones of agony, Jesus, have mercy now on me. The thronging multitudes increase, Blind Bartimaeus, hold thy peace, but still above the noisy crowd, the beggar's cry is shrill and loud, until they say, He calleth thee, fear not, arise, he calleth thee. Then saith the Christ, as silent stands, the crowd, What wilt thou at my hands? And he replies, O oh, give me light, Rabbi, restore the blind man's sight. And Jesus answers, Go in peace, thy faith from blindness gives release. Ye that have eyes yet cannot see, in darkness and in misery, recall those mighty voices three. Jesus, have mercy now on me. Fear not, arise and go in peace, thy faith from blindness gives release. Let's pray. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe you are blind Bartimaeus. We have all been him at some point in our life. Maybe you're here spiritually blind, seeking for Jesus. And you know now what will heal that blindness. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Right where you're sitting. Right where you are, wherever you are right now, you can put your faith in Jesus Christ. You can have your eyes open. You can have eternal life starting right now. It's not just for heaven. Eternal life starts the moment we put our faith in Jesus. We have a brand new life in Jesus Christ. Just say, God, please forgive my sin. I repent of my old life, my old way of life, everything I've done that goes against your word and your will for my life. I repent of that. I ask you to forgive me. And I believe Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sin. And I'm putting my faith in him. I ask you to forgive me and I'm putting my faith in Jesus. He took my place on that cross he was my substitute, my ransom, his blood, his body, in place of mine. I put my faith in him. 
forgive me. I put my faith in Jesus, and I'm going to follow him. I give you my life, God. I make Jesus Christ my Savior and Lord. If you've prayed that prayer, something amazing has happened to you that's going to shock you as it comes to light, and that, that is your eyes are open. The, the eyes of your heart have been open. You're going to see things and know things and live in a way that you never thought possible through the power of Jesus Christ because His Holy Spirit is in you. And I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Let somebody know you've made that commitment. And if you don't have anybody to tell, then tell me. I'd love to hear it. Just so that you, we can be excited and can encourage you in your new faith, your new life in Christ. Help you grow in your new life. And speaking of growing, maybe you've already put your faith in Christ and you're sitting here as a Christian. And how is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Maybe you already have saving faith, but have you been persisting in that faith? And is it resulting in growing faith? What step are you maybe stuck on? Maybe you've already run all the stairs and said, that's enough. <laughs> Time out. But, but it doesn't stop. We have to keep, make every effort to keep going, to walk the stairs again, a whole new level higher. Maybe something in your life is missing. One of those parts of the recipe are missing that, you, that as you memorize the, these verses in Mark and, I'm sorry, in Peter, if you memorize these verses in Peter and, and, and meditate on them and, and ask the Holy Spirit to grow you in these ways, to grow us. Maybe we are nearsighted or even blinded by self or sin in some way. And communion is a time to confess that time. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would work in each of our hearts so that we could commune with you today, but more importantly, commune with you every day. Be close with you because nothing's in the way of our relationship. And nothing is in the way of our reaching our spiritual potential in Jesus Christ. Amen.